Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. Okay, here we go. Another day, another dollar. Welcome to Vicarious Living. Welcome, Pat. Hello. Two episodes tonight before I take off to Orlando, Florida. Land of the free. So jealous of you. That's a week away from when you will be there for your weekend of debauchery. Bachelor party. Mm-hmm. And we will probably go to so many strip clubs. When we are there. God. We're going to be covered in foam, too. Yeah. A lot of that. Foam strip clubs. Mm-hmm. We are big strip club guys. So, tonight, Vicarious Living Podcast. Gmail is Pat. Vicarious Living Pod at gmail.com. And yeah. our Instagram is Vicarious Living Podcast. So, we are probably one at most two weeks away from having official VL swag. Which we will spawn con out on our fucking Instagram. Yeah. And they are looking hot. Pretty excited about them. You uh, saw the shirts. Yeah, you designed them. Yeah. I looked at them. Yeah. I gave, you a, <laughs> I gave you a big thumbs up and... You gave your approval and they are fucking hot fire shirts. Yeah. How much credit do I get for the approval? I mean, like 15%? At least 6%, I'd I'll take say. Six. six or seven percentage points. Yeah. Because, yeah, I did. Um, my stamp approval carries a, a decent amount of weight to it, so I'll give yeah. myself six. Yeah, so we, we what we had to do was come up with a new official designed logo. So this logo now, in the past, our VL logo on our Instagram, you've seen it. It's just been, uh, to be quite honest, the background image was from Google. Uh-huh. And it was of a beautiful sunset. Oh, yeah. Beautifully found. Now, it's an original artwork design that we paid $50 for, and now it's totally original. Cool. It's got our fucking name on it. Yeah, really what happened is, like, we had the podcast, and everybody's listening to it. Right. Loving it, obviously. Mm -hmm. And what they were saying was, like, I listen to your podcast, and I love it, but what I don't have is a a t-shirt. Right. Get along with it. I listen to it, but how can I wear it? Yeah, so we heard your feedback. Yeah, loud and clear. Um, now we got the t-shirt. Yeah. So, so we'll check back in on that with some more details later. I'm so excited just because even when this podcast goes away, which at the level it's growing, I don't know when that would even be, but let's say it does hypothetically go away at some point, we will always have these shirts mm-hmm. to wear. Nobody can take them away from us. No. Unless they do. In which case. Then Goodwill has them. Goodwill has them. Yeah. And then maybe we can order some new ones. Yeah. You'll still have all the stuff saved, right? Yeah, I'll save them all like I save everything. I hoard everything. And uh, yeah, so thanks again big time to Pat, my brother-in-law, who co-collabed these fucking fine shirts with us on baseball tees. Tri-bland material. That mm-hmm. means 52 cotton, 48 poly. That's the split on the uh, material. It's so fucking soft and comfortable. Same material Wicklow Wear uses. Same material. Cool. Ooh. So we're excited. Um, Okay, tonight on the VL Podcast, FNL, episode 18, episode 19. 18 is titled Extended Families. 
episode 19 titled Cha 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 Changes. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's the title. All right. Um, okay, so episode 18. Th- fucking jam packed, let me just say, at the, you know, first and foremost here. Jam packed. Mm hmm. So many clips that we're going to get to. Some great fucking songs we're going to get to. I walk around with my mind jam fact full of teen drama moments, but today especially, it's it's overboard. Oh, God. I don't, I don't have room for anything else. So, so let's many storylines. Let's There's get it all out. fucking so many. So let's just dive in. First one, um, I just wanted to... There was an interesting one because right now what's going on is Lila and Street are separated. Street is off in Austin doing some training for Quad Rugby World Tours. No one cares. He's trying... Well, what, I guess technically he's trying to make the U.S. Paralympic Quad Rugby team. Right. And again, no one cares. Which, well... I think there is. I think Street is the only one who cares. Yeah, but he cares a lot. He like cares. It's, it's for everyone. Of, it's like his only light at the end of the tunnel with this thing. It's the only thing that's giving him hope. It's like, oh, I got sports again. I'm gonna make this team. Yeah, better put all of my eggs in that basket. Again, he. It's just. It's the fact that he puts too many eggs all in one basket. Like just. Be don't be so aggressive with all your eggs. Like maybe plop one down into like another basket every once in a while. So his over-enthusiasm for this quad rugby bullshit is just such a disgusting bad look. Let's say, let's put it this way. If you started this podcast with Street instead of me, he would have already quit his job. (laughs) Yeah, dude. He would have quit his job and he would have just made it no longer fun because I would just be thinking like, and I feel like I'm always towing this line. With, with our dynamic duo here on this podcast. Well, of, because that's you're the street and I'm the Riggins. So we yeah, already know that. Right. So there couldn't be two streets. So I'm doing enough street for the both of us on this podcast. But he's me on fucking steroids. And he would have bastardized this podcast to the point where there's zero fun. Right now, I've made it where there's just a little fun for you. <laughs> <laughs> I think just a tiny sliver. Where a street, there'd be none left. So anyways, the thing I was saying, I, I wanted to get to about that is a real interesting dynamic though. Long distance relationships, you and I have both been in them mm-hmm. and you really come to the forefront here at the beginning of episode 18. Like they start out the episode and Lila is going through a lot of shit at home because her dad cheated on her mom as we know and they've been getting into a lot of fights and it's been pure hell for Lila and her brother and sister. And so she's calling him and as she's on the phone with him, Street's like at a fucking party in Austin. And it just, it took me right back to like the long distance thing when you're on the phone and it's like, they're clearly having an awesome time and you're just sitting there like in your fucking dorm room or wherever, just contemplating like nothingness. Like I'm ju- I just want to procrastinate doing my homework yeah, a little longer. Nothing worse than... You're on the phone, you're just all alone, lonely. You either get a call or put in the call, and then just in the background, you just hear like, Hey, get off the phone! Who are you doing all alone? Yeah! Get off the phone! Come back and fucking party! My dick's not gonna suck itself, bitch! <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> naked here! Come on! Oh my god, why are your pants still on? Lila! Take them down, bitch! And then, yeah, you're just on the phone like, Sounds cool. Where you at? Hey, what's going on back here? What's up? Is that 
Is that Chad in the background? Is that Chad saying all that stuff or something? God, it's the fucking worst. And that, that would happen to me all the time where I would just be sitting there. You hear guys in the background and you're like, honestly, there's probably nothing bad happening. It's just, you know, a, high, a college party or whatever. But when you're not there to physically see it, it all just sounds like everyone's giving hand jobs. It's like when jealousy meets FOMO. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. That's what you get. Yeah. And fuck, it sucks being on the other end of that <laughs> jealousy FOMO combo. So yeah, that's going on and Lila is trying to talk to him, but she don't want to bring up all this shit with her dad because she's like, clearly he's having fun. And what kind of conversation would that be right now anyways? If I brought this up to him, I'm either A, taking him out of having a good time and bringing him down into my shit. Or B, like I'm not going to get him actually listening because like people are yelling in the background and it just sucks. But the other thing I thought about was uh, a big R.I.P. to fucking flip phones. Yeah. In this scene. Miss them. I miss them. I, I do miss them too because it's like, the, first off, the emphatic hang up completely goes away with iPhones. Yeah. It, it, with touch screens. I mean, it used to be so satisfying back in the day if you were getting into an argument, you know, with your girl. You yeah. Know, you get a big argument with your girl. Uh-huh. And it's like, you know, fine. Enjoy that. <laughs> fine. I'll see you later. Have fun at your fucking party. <laughs> you know. So now yeah, it's it. just like there's no sound that comes with an emphatic hang up, and it's just not as satisfying. Um, T nine word. We've already talked about that. It sucked ass, but I kind of miss it now. Yeah. Because probably nothing more inconvenient than texting with T nine word, but I missed it. It just, it took some skill. So if it, when you would see someone who was so fucking good with it, like, you know, it's when we used to have Mavis Beacon, when we were in grade school, learning how quick to type, like how many words per minute can you type with T9 word? It was like, how many fucking words can you type with three, 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 H four, 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 four S or whatever it was. I remember there was this kid in, um, in high school who would just have his phone out, like kind of down by his leg under his desk and he would just text without looking and mm. i was just like that's new level skill no that's just yeah i'm th- that's a skill set that if you can work that out i mean power to you mm-hmm. more power to oh, you yeah. and then yeah the last thing i want to say about uh, th- just the real buttons i think there was something gratifying about like you push a button and it's like a real button it just like makes you feel like i'm making moves here that was whatever yeah kids are just not going to know what buttons felt like and all this said, I don't want to say that, like, we miss, f- like, iPhones are better because <laughs> now yeah, we're connected yeah. to the world. Remember back in the day with flip phones when you would accidentally click into, like, my the browser <laughs> and the, the clock would start? It would be like you would see a time clock start counting your seconds in that browser and you're like, get me out of here, get me out of here. They, somehow they put the internet on those phones, like, 10 years before the internet was supposed to be on phones. Right. And you're just, all you're thinking is like, this has got to be like $47 a minute or a fuck <laughs> yeah. second. Fuck. Get me out of this browser. Um, you would pay like $20 to see the scores to that night's game. And that's yeah. about all you get. They used to have text services too that you could text. I remember there was this, everyone had this like 800 number or something that you could text. It'd be like reds. You type reds to this 800 number. I remember you doing this actually. Yeah. I, you, would, you would call a voicemail service. And you would, I would, all of a sudden, I would hear you from the other room just go, sports. 
<laughs> and he would go through this like automated voice menu to get Celtic scores. <laughs> Sports. <laughs> Sports. Can you say that one? Sports. Sports. Celtics. This... Boston Celtics. <laughs> no, not Celtics. Yeah, dude, by the way, this is still an issue to this day. Whenever you call a uh, customer service, how horrible is it trying to go through an automated menu like that? Audio. One menu. of my least favorite things to do in life. My MO, whenever I call like DirecTV or Cincinnati Bell or whatever the fuck I'm calling because I have an issue that I just want out of my life and you just want to talk to someone for two minutes, solve it, it it's always like representative. Speak to a representative and you never get it. I have a pretty long fuse with most things in life. Yeah. If you want to see me snap like inappropriately quick, watch mm-hmm. me on one of those menus. It's something like, uh, <laughs> like I'll dial it up and then the menu comes up and I'll be like, press two for main menu. And I'll just be like, main menu. Please repeat that. Main menu! Oh! <laughs> I've lost it before. You stupid fucking bitch! I'm not proud of myself in those moments, but yeah, I've lost it. So, anyways, R.I.P. Flip phones. Um, <laughs> let's hopefully uh, soon R.I.P. Voice automated menu systems. I pray to fucking God. So, clip time. Let's get a clip in here. This was subtle, real subtle clip, and I loved it. Uh, this is when Buddy, after all this shit's happening, he's got to find a place to stay because his wife has kicked him out of the house. And uh, Finally. He, finally. I mean, enough's enough. <laughs> <laughs> Kicks him out, and he's got to go somewhere, so he goes to uh, Coach and Tammy T's house, and they're coming home from dinner one night, and got to be the worst feeling in the world. You're coming home from dinner, and this guy who you may or may not be friends with is just sitting on your front porch. Um, Nothing worse. So then this is the clip. Here it is when he's on their porch waiting for them to get home. Damn, that's not... That's Buddy Garrity. That's Buddy Garrity, honey, sitting on our front porch. I see it. I see it. Hey. Oh, no. I want to go to bed. Shh. Get out and say hello. Please make him... Get out and say hello. Make him, make him go away. Hey, buddy! So great. Oh. Great game. Great, I know. Coach. Congratulations, Coach. What are you doing? Good job. Uh, so what are you doing here? You could call. What are you oh, doing? Oh no, I, I just uh, Pam. Pam locked me out. She she kicked me out. Fuck! 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 Hey! <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I just thought that was hilarious because that 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 was so realistic to me. Like that's how it would go. You're talking shit about them because you're in this. Even though you're five feet away, you're still in the safety of your car. So you're like serious god damn it's it it's not officially real yet it's not real and then it, it's just like fuck 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 god damn it piece of shit open the door <laughs> hey guy uh she nailed it when because and uh in those moments like especially when you're coming home from a night out like it's just the thought of getting into bed oh it's yeah. just the best out of your pants get the pants fucking yeah. off into into realize that you're not only way farther than that moment than you thought you just got buddy garrity living in your house now yeah and and it's like met with a lot of like god now what now now we're up for another fucking three hours hearing his story and like trying to console like we care would you so he obviously invites himself basically to be their house guest while he figures stuff out with his wife um quick would you rather buddy garrity living in your house or a ghost like 
a full-on poltergeist situation where mm. your house is haunted. Like, blood coming down the walls and stuff. That sounds like the worst, so I would choose Buddy Gary. I can't... Yes, he sucks to live with, but... Buddy Gary... A real ghost would really blow ass. Buying groceries and putting them in your fridge? I would rather deal with that than, like, an otherworldly creature. Yeah, that's, being... I, that's fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I... Yeah, that... that, that seems like my nightmare i don't love scary movies and stuff i'm a real pussy when it comes to that stuff regardless uh, after buddy garrity finally did leave i'd be just getting all the sage and wiping it down yeah all the door frames yeah really those, those uh getting the vibe out <clears throat> incense mm-hmm. yeah just have incense burning yeah it was real interesting because like julie walked in on him um in the bathroom one day because she didn't know that he was the next morning that he was staying there and she went to go to the bathroom and buddy was just in there in a towel shirtless shaving and uh i was thinking though when that scene happened i was like well that's about as good as it could have gone though for what you could walk in on him doing she got lucky yeah so she was freaking out that like she was so caught off guard and, and just pissed about it. But it's like, look, he could have been taking a shit. Mm-hmm. He could have been feverishly wailing away on himself. With one foot up on the toilet. Yeah. As we know, adults probably beat off. That could have been happening. He could have just been fully nude doing nothing. He could Nothing nefarious. He could have just been standing without a towel around. That and, is the last thing you expect to see in the morning when you wake up and go to the bathroom. Is Buddy Garrity naked. It is. It is, but I would still look at that as bullet dodged. <laughs> like it could have been so much fucking worse. Um, okay, I want to get into a storyline that I am really fucking excited about, and this is just going to be the biggest theme of this entire podcast episode, and that's Tim's milf neighbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bo's mom. Bo is the kid. Kid from the blind side, by the way. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Uh, real, real precocious. He's precocious. Little kid. High energy, precocious kid. Which, by the way, I don't know if this kid exists in real life. Like, I get what they're doing. He's a kid, so they want him to come off like he's he'll say anything that comes to his mind and all that stuff. But it's a little much on Bo the kid. Like, I kind of want him to just like take it down a notch. The, I mean, that's a classic. TV and movies trope is the precocious kid. So classic, and but I, I think they exist, but just not as much as TV and movies would would make. You think. Yeah, the level of precociousness is on steroids on kids and in, in movies and TV Most shows. Most kids are very quiet around adults, and and they also make them like really sometimes overly wise. So like they do this in in Five Hundred Days of Summer. They have his younger sister always giving him fucking advice. By the way, fun fact: his younger sister. The girl from Kick-Ass. Whoa. Chloe Moretz, whatever. Nice connection. Yeah. So anyways, this kid, it's, it's, uh, his, Tim's neighbor is her name, the actress, Brooke Langton. And you got a thing for Brooke Langton. Oh my God, dude. So she's the MILF neighbor, probably mid thirties. And she, she's just moved in. She's got a kid. Dad's not around. Just her and her son. And dude. I want to pay homage because this lady was one of my first crushes ever. Really? Yes. I know we talk about the movie The Replacements a lot, and we realized when we were watching this episode that The Replacements has a lot of ties to the show Friday Night Lights. 
she's the cheerleader, the main girl in the replacements, Keanu Reeves' love interest in the replacements. And she has this raspy voice. Ah, do you think that's where it started? Probably. I was also like 10 years old. So this is right as I'm like starting to have a thing for, wow. Starting to have some thoughts. Yeah, I am attracted to what I see right now. And she was one of those first, so I was probably, yeah, third, fourth grade when that movie came out and was obsessed with her. Always wearing that cheerleading outfit in that fucking movie. Raspy voice. Great smile. Real great smile. And so when you're 10, it's not as sexual of thoughts you're having. So mm-hmm. if, a, if like a girl comes on who's just got this rock solid smile, kind of was enough to do it for me back then. <laughs> um, but dude, I, I'm obsessed with her. I'm fucking obsessed. Well, with her. it's a slow burn development. And by slow burn, I mean it takes an episode and a half. Yeah. Her and Tim Riggins start hooking it up. So really, what she should have known when you were 10... You were basically about six years away from fully being able to get with her. Right. Yeah. Because so um, nice. you do forget it as we've talked about. You forget <laughs> when you see the neighbor, the hot MILF neighbor, who you kind of think is maybe like 10 years older than Tim, because that's probably what they are in age difference. Um, he's probably 25. She's probably 35. He's supposed to be 15 and a half mm-hmm. having this sexual tension with this like mom. Immediate sexual tension. I don't know if it was immediate. Like you said, it was a slow thing. We're feeling it because Tim's so hot, but she wasn't acting like she was about to just start sucking his dick. She was being kind of mean to him at first. Oh, yeah, because he was having the party and yeah. she told him to turn it down. Yeah, right. I forgot about that. But, dude, I, I just I can't get her out of my mind. Like, ugh, it's just tough. It's tough. It's so connected to me to, like, these this experience I had when I was younger. <laughs> And I just, I can't, I can't get her out of my mind. So we'll get back into her. Um, Let's hit some of these other storylines because it's going to really crescendo back into this chick. Sounds good to me. Um, Another Tim question. Is he left-handed or right-handed? No idea. Based on this episode and the golf episode, which you pointed out, I don't think I would have noticed this. He's teaching Bo how to throw a football. Right-handed. Right-handed. And he plays golf left-handed. Which... Fuck. This guy doesn't make is any sense. ambidextrous. It only makes sense. The only way it makes sense is the other way. Like if you were left-handed to throw it, but like you didn't want to deal with playing with left-handed golf clubs. Maybe you learn golf right-handed. But, but did, to play golf left-handed is so inconvenient. And then to throw a ball right-handed. I feel like it's a true sign that Taylor Kitsch is athletic. Because this does happen with super athletes like larry bird for instance ambidextrous he shot right-handed he signed his name and wrote left-handed weird that same with lebron james lebron james writes left-handed signs his name left-handed but shoots right-handed god if we could only go one podcast episode without you talking about how sweet lebron james is <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate LeBron james. but yeah um, no i i know i get it i'm i'm thinking he's totally ambidextrous does the internet say anything about that I didn't look it up, but I should. Yeah, you should have. I should have done that. But yeah, and just insanity, because he threw like a tight-ass spiral with his right hand. Mm-hmm. But fuck, he probably plays hockey. We'll have to stay it. on the lookout for that throughout these episodes. Yeah, it reminded me of... Because he uh, plays pool in an episode, so we'll just have to see how he does that. Oh, we'll yeah. start making like a list, like left, right, yep. of what he does, and maybe we can figure it out. I'm sure the end. kids will love that, us mm-hmm. tracking that. Yeah, 
we'll keep our we'll keep our ears to the grindstone on that. Is that the saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Something to the grindstone. We'll keep it there. It did. It just reminded me though of Teddy and Ethan Ocean throwing a football. <laughs> with, with I think it's his strong hand, but unclear. No, they they uh, at a certain point we talked about how it was uh, the producers told him to go toss football while they're having a conversation, <laughs> and they were literally underhand passing the football back and forth to each other, just like in the Disaster Artist, just like James Franco <laughs> yeah. in the Disaster Artist, <laughs> trying to throw a fucking football. Okay, so. Let's uh let's zag here because uh, this episode we are gonna talk about Smash and Waverly. We've been putting it off because she has never been interesting, but this episode, her bipolar tendencies have come into full swing. Now they're they're showing the highs and lows that she goes through with her bipolar disorder. So I just want to play a clip of the first time we see it. And no shots fired whatsoever, but massive shots fired to what the fuck she's talking about. What they chose, what the producers chose for her to be talking about when she's in her high swing. Like when she's, everything's great. So um, here's a clip of of Waverly and and it just disgusted me. Here it is. There's uh, Robert Hayden. Some I love who are dead. And, and, and burned in the gardens of Gethsemane. Its light made holy by the dazzling tears and spread and spread its radiance on the exile's path of he who is the glorious one. Its light made holy by his holiness. Okay, already a mooted goal. And tomorrow, perhaps, tomorrow, perhaps, an arms base a livid sector. You know why, y'all? Because hey, it's full moon. Hey, 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 That's hey, what I'm saying, y'all. Hey, Too much passion? Yeah. As a man of passion yourself, where's the line? Again, that this is where when it's when your passion dips its toe into this game of fucking poetry and how riled up like poets get you with their poetry. Especially if it's on the weekend, like they're at the diner or whatever, and it's mixed company. Like it's Smash and all their friends and her and her friends. And then she just goes on this long ass diatribe about like poets not getting enough, the the love that they deserve. In class. Yeah. It's like, way to bring your schoolwork outside of school. You You could tell everybody else at the table was like having fun with it. But like right before that scene... Smash goes to pick her up and her dad comes out to talk to him like just real quick before she comes out and he's like hey just by the way if you notice anything just different about her um, let me know and so everybody else at the table is just like oh she's acting crazy she's being wild like this poetry thing is kind of embarrassing and weird and they're cracking up but you can see him he's just like uh yeah he uh, knows because he knows her Uh, He knows her, so he's like, okay, I I get what they were doing in that scene. They wanted to show that, like, clearly she is off her medication, and now what would be normal to Smash and how they interact is now clearly he's noticing, okay, something's... Before, she might have talked loosely about these poets, and now she's, like, standing up on the fucking table at this diner, going on and on about them, regardless of how disgusted we are. 
with just the topic of conversation they chose there, I do get what the message was. The message is things are going on. She's got some shit that she's going through right now. So that'll come back. We're going to get back into that in a second because they had a really impactful scene at the end of these two episodes with her, which it was like, fuck. Lila. Tell me about her. Have you ever seen more of a soaking, drenched, soaking wet blanket than Lila Garrity? Ever in your life? Mm. I don't think so. Like, everything she, everything Street does, she's disgusted by. I don't know why they're, they're dating. It re- well... Well, I would be disgusted too, so I don't actually mind. If you remember back to the very first episode... Like, Street was the quarterback, and that was cool, but he was the most boring fucking guy in the world. Yeah. Like, he played football, and that's about it. Now he's, like, his life is starting to get kind of interesting. He's meeting all these new people and just going down this different path, and she wants nothing to do with it at all. But it just comes off like she's such a jersey chaser, and she only cared that he was a quarterback, and now, now that he's, you know, fucking around with quad rugby, she's just getting so annoyed... I don't know. Maybe it's just the distance, though. Maybe it's the distance that's weighing in on her because he's in Austin. Well, he's in Austin for like a like a, two weeks trying out yeah. this thing. It's like he's on a, a vacation. I don't think this is a long distance thing. The probably the 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 uh, most acute version of her being this wet blanket is when he gets the tattoo. You thought that was a cute version? Acute, like uh, oh, acute. Yeah, yeah. Like it was not cute. Right, I it see what you're saying. It was very... Uh, poignant. Poignant, yeah. thank you. He gets this new tattoo. Which and, is lame. Which is lame. It's not a cool tattoo. No. But it was like a symbol of like, oh yeah, I'm kind of doing new different stuff. I'm kind of getting into different areas. And she's yeah. just like, what? You got a tattoo? Ugh. Actually, now I'm, tw- I'm switching my stance. I actually am on her side now. You talked me into it. I'm kind of on her side. She, I, I, she's, I, no, she's not wrong. And anything she says, right. she's like, this isn't you. And it's like, yeah, that's totally right. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, like, there is that one scene, and fuck, I'm going to throw another <clears throat> clip in here, because it's the distance and what this new street is. It's not, I, I initially went to Jersey Chasing, but now I'm thinking it's not that. It's that he's becoming a different person. Yeah, his old personality yeah. literally got blown up, like, exploded. And he's yeah. finding a new personality out of the rubble of his old one. And right. she's just not down with the new personality at all. Which makes sense. Because, yeah, he's getting a tattoo. And he's, like, hanging out with all these new friends. And they're all they're always, like, partying super hardcore. And now he's hanging out with this girl who's a tattoo artist. And she's just, like, without thinking about it. And what he said was an impulse buy. He's just not that kind of guy. He's never... He's been a straight-laced wholesome sort of I always do the right thing kind of guy no edge whatsoever no edge and then all of a sudden he's like becoming this and it's like well I didn't sign up for this fucking shit the I think and this is jumping ahead to the next episode I think the part of street that always will stay the same that he had before and he still does have is like the scene when he's with all of his old friends on the football field oh hold on before we get led because we'll get to that okay because first I want to play a clip while we still are in this one scene of the argument. And then, yes, that scene you're mentioning, I yeah, we want to get into that because okay. that's just good stuff. Here's the clip, though, of Lila and Street having what I think is actually a very realistic argument that you have in relationships when you're 
go like long distance and going through some shit. Here it is. It's not funny, Jason, when you drive all the way from Dylan and you find your boyfriend hanging out with people that scare you and getting tattoos from sexy girls. <laughs> not funny. It's not funny, Jason. You're changing, and it is so real, and I'm not changing with you. We're never going to last because I'm not changing with you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay because you know what? It's bigger than us. Nothing is bigger than us, Lila. Nothing is bigger than us. I just put in quotes here to sum up that whole argument. We are changing. Don't want to accept it, but we should probably break up conversation. <laughs> like, that's how that conversation was, is I've been in that situation before. You probably have too, where you're holding on to a relationship and it's clear this is not going to work out. Whether it's the distance, whether it's because you are changing into a different person and I'm not changing with you, like Lila said. And it's just kind of sad. It's It's not like a lot of breakups it's like oh you cheated on me we're done fuck it easy to like fuck it i can just be angry never want to see you again hang up the flip phone click (laughs) this one's more like how i feel like it goes a lot where it's like we just we should break up like fuck like damn we're arguing a ton and it's not totally your fault really it's not totally my fault it's just We've changed. You've changed. We've gone in separate directions. So I just... Yeah, this, it's not like they're heading down the path of like a breakup that's not like a tumultuous, right. we're mad at each other, we're going to break up, and then we're going to make up and get back together. It's more of just like a sad, drift apart for good Yeah, I wish situation. this wasn't happening, but yeah. it, it should probably happen. We should probably break up. Which, by the way, if you think about it, not that crazy. They're 17, 18. So... Yeah. Not that weird. <laughs> I mean, I've changed a decent amount, I think, since I was 17 or 18. You so have I way more s- tattoos than you did then. Oh, dude. Now I'm littered with them. I started out, it was just a cock tattoo. Mm-hmm. That's where I started. Yeah. And then now... And it look, said peace in Sanskrit. It did say that on my on my dick when I first got the, the first one, and then, then I got a tramp stamp on my back. But it wasn't spelled P-E-A-C-E. It was spelled P-E-I-C-E. Right. In yeah. Sanskrit. Yeah, so people know I'm cool, and I mean business. And you got a piece. Yes. And then after that, I got a um, one on my lower back, tramp stamp style. And it was like, now he double means business. Mm-hmm. Now he's here to stay. Mm-hmm. Like, look out business world, because here comes fucking wind. Yeah. Ready to make moves. So, um, yeah, great, great conversation. That's Pete Berg again. Props. <laughs> Props. I wonder if Pete Berg... Like when he was spending those like what that month in uh, a high school town. Oh yeah. If he like eavesdropped on a high school breakup or two. Oh, I guarantee, dude. How else would he know? I mean, he's got to live it. He's got to go method and live it. I mean, if he's not getting in there living through it, he's not gonna know how those conversations go. <laughs> That's the movie I want to see. I want to see the Pete Berg story of him living with high school kids for a month. Hmm. Yeah. He goes into it because he needs material uh, and research for his script, and he comes out of it, learns something new about himself. Yeah. So, Speaking of, I don't know if this is where you want to go, but I'm going to use it as a pretty smooth transition. Mm-hmm. You want to talk a little bit about Tyra and her mom? Yeah. Actually, I will go there next. So that, yeah, let's talk How'd about that work? her. 
Good. Nice. That's <laughs> good. Um, I was going to start it out with a clip here. Okay. Because in this clip with Tyra, it's really like, she's coming to play ball. And she just came to play. Like, fucking Pete Berg, anytime he calls her name off the bench and says, get in there. I mean, she just fucking does it. She gets in there and she just fucking heats up. Swoosh. Swoosh City. Fucking Twick Village. Take her to Twick Village. Take her to fucking Twick City. Because context for this clip, she's been spending a lot of time with Julie T in the T's. And her mom's not liking that because I think a little jealousy and also like Tyra's starting to see how like a good family works Mm -hmm. and it's not making her very happy. So there's a lot of shit going on with her mom and that. And anyways, there's one scene where Mrs. T comes over because she's trying to get Tyra to like turn her life around. This is after her mom, uh, I don't know, she overdoses or she gets all fucked up on pills or something as they go to the hospital. Right. And as she's doing that, then like Tammy T starts cleaning up the house and Tyra is just like, she says this. You can go home now. You don't have to help me clean up. Well, I think somebody's going to have to help you here, hon. Well, it's not going to be you. Well, yeah, actually, I think right now it is going to be me. You know what, why you quit pretending like you actually give a damn about what happens to me or my family? I do give a damn about <laughs> oh, please. You know, I found out tonight you won't even let Julie hang out with me. Well, like I'm some kind of virus? So it's a little annoying when you come into my house and try to act superior, start cleaning up like you're some kind of friend of the family, because you are not. So you know what, you just, you go take your precious little daughter and you lock her away so bad people like me, we can't hurt her. Honey. Just go home! It's just that... Julie's my girl, and she's never behaved like this before, and I might have been blaming you for that. I mean, you know, it could be that she's just growing up. And I thought that I would be prepared for all that because I'm her mother, and I thought I would be prepared for whatever came down the way, and... Boy, I'll tell you what, it feels like a big old freight train is heading right in my direction. And I can't do a thing to stop it, but I'm just trying. I'm just trying my hardest to stop it. I get Tyra's side. It's like, hey, bitch, I got this. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I don't... Yeah, she tells her about herself pretty good. Yeah, I don't need you coming in here and like, oh, great wife from the great family making my life wonderful and you're you're turning it all around and cleaning up and like you're a, you're a fairy to me. <laughs> you're like a clean-up fairy and hero. I don't need that, bitch. Get the fuck out of here. And then Tammy's response... Yeah, well... So Tyra, like, confronts her with that, like, fucked up, like, I apparently you told your daughter she's not even allowed to hang out with me, which is yeah. very confrontational. Love it. Mm. But I also thought Tammy's response was awesome in that scene because, like, I think you always talk about this, of just owning whatever it is, where mm. instead of just being like, well, I didn't, right. I didn't do that. What, are you crazy? Yeah. That's crazy. Why she told you that? She's just like... Fuck. Yeah, I did uh, it. Yeah. yeah, I did it. And like she came like full earnesty and was like, I'm, I'm scared. My daughter's like, yeah. all of a sudden she's acting weird. And I feel like they totally connected in that moment. It was cool. Dude, that's how I get out of all those jams. I know. I know. Is, <laughs> is if you just you steer into it and open yeah. this. And if you, I feel like if you open yourself up. Like it's hard for tea. people to be mad at you when yeah. you're, when you're getting into a fight with someone and, and you guys are going back and forth and it's getting really fucking contentious. If you come back later and it's like, look, the reason I was saying that 
and I mean it and I meant it was because of this. Like this is how I got there and this is why I was feeling if you just like lay it out versus fighting it, then they have no leg to stand on. They can't stay mad at you. I mean, we don't have to play the Eminem clip again. No. Even though that was tight. But I want to. I, you know, I want to. Yeah, uh, let's not. Let's not. I am white. I am a fucking punk. I do live in a trailer with my mom. But no, I think I thought that was a cool moment. Own your shit. Kids, I don't know how many times you got fucking say. A lot. Of, I feel like there's a lot of crossroads in this show and in life where, in that moment, they could have become complete enemies, and they uh, she just laid it out. They laid it out and had a growth moment. Mm-hmm. Really grew there. Yeah. Should we get into our song as we uh, transition into episode nineteen? Um, I'm cool with that. Is it uh, David Usher? Hope. It sure is. Cue it up. See it. So, I think while this song is playing, it's one of those classic scenes that we always talk about in love, mm. where the same song is playing over, like, kind of the, as the backdrop of multiple scenes where different characters are feeling different things and doing different things to the same song. This was your original point back in the day. I remember you saying this when we were watching the OC in real time 15 years ago, is there's no better scene than this song's playing, and five different completely different storylines are happening i love it completely i mean in this one it starts with tammy and i got a list it's a is it julie and tammy kind of make up after this conversation between tyra and tammy i got a list of all you got lila and street this song's playing and when you see their shit you know they wake up after that big argument or whatever and it's like oh i still love you so you have that going on. You're totally feeling what they're going through with this song. The second one is Julie and her mom. They kind of are going through some back and forth shit with all the Tyra stuff. Completely different from Lila and Street. You still get what's going on. The third one, Tim and fucking Bo's mom. Mm-hmm. That's just taboo sexual tension at its peak. This song's playing. You still get what's going on there. Fourth one is Smash and Waverly. A bipolar storyline. Completely fucking different than those other ones. You still get what's going on. And then the last one is Coach and Tammy T, where they have shit going on with, like, Buddy Garrity and, like, issues with him maybe taking this new job and all this stuff. Five completely different storylines all woven together with this song. And the Yeah, I was going to say, the thread that's weaving this tapestry together is David Usher's Hope, which, have you heard of David Usher? No, I've only heard of one Usher. Yeah, I've heard of Usher. The Usher. Yeah, Usher. You think they're related? Good chance. I've never heard of David Usher, but I like this song. This is a great song. It's a fucking great song. And that the one the one that the episode ends on, a real poignant. You know, second time poignant's coming up on this podcast. Smash and Waverly. She's now on the roller coaster ride, back all the way down. And he goes over to her house and she's just laying on the bathroom floor like all curled up in a in a very depressed, like, depression funk. Yes. And when this song's playing... And you see her sitting there, it's like, fuck. It, it strikes a chord. You're like, god damn, like... She was so annoying when she was on her high, and now in the low, it's like, oh my god, this would be tough. 
<laughs> this would be tough. Like for no doubt for her and for Smash, who's who's like trying to figure out how to deal with it and stuff. It's just like it's so tough across the board. But anyways, great song, great song there. Episode nineteen. Cha 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 changes. Is that a David Bowie reference? I don't know. This is, you would know better than me on that. There's a song called Changes that says that, but I don't oh, I, I don't see anything that connects it to this episode. Unless I'm missing something. Well, there's stuff going on with like Street and that tattoo chick. There's some changes there. Like away from what he's known with Lila and stuff. I can see that. So I'm going to start this episode off with, you know, that's perfect that we just talked about the tattoo chick and her name is Susie. Oh, nice. The tattoo chick. Mm-hmm. And I am going to start off this episode 19 cha-cha-cha-changes with my MCITW of the week. That is the Marissa Cooper is the worst of the week brought to you by Wicklow where W-I-C-K-L-O-W be free and explore. Get all your outdoor gear at wicklowwear.com. Type in the promo code VL at checkout. Get 10% off your order. And you know what you can do in like a week or two whenever we get them? Hmm. Type in that promo code to get the VL logoed baseball tees. Yes. Very Good. limited selection. So they're going to sell out quick. Get them while you can. Get them while they're fucking hot. We're going to have two versions. Two baseball tees. Wicklowwear on the back. VL on the front front and these are soft as fuck 52 48 cotton poly split wicklow style mcitw going to Susie the fucking tattoo girl because this is where the wedge goes oh so wrong Mm -hmm. if you're pulling a wedge this podcaster sitting here in this podcast studio this guy has pulled a wedge off successfully I'm now married to a direct result of a wedge. My wife <laughs> was wedged upon wedge by me. Wedge success story. Wedge success story. But if it blows up in your face and it goes wrong, God, it's a fucking bad look. And it's pathetic. It's a real dangerous fire that you're playing with if you're trying to pull the wedge off. On the one hand, it could go great and you could... 10 years, 11 years later, now be married to that person you wedged upon once upon a time. Mm -hmm. Or it goes in a way that you just get caught by the girlfriend who's currently dating the guy. She calls you out in front of everyone, essentially, of you trying to wedge in with her fiance in front of mixed company. Mm -hmm. And it is pathetic it is so pathetic to get caught in the wedge yeah you kind of look like a big asshole yeah because then it's like dude like you could literally go after whoever the fuck you want why are you going after my boyfriend you stupid fucking bitch (laughs) like grow up lady like goddamn, what the fuck what are you doing it's so nobody said the the wedge wasn't risky it's a real risk that you play so it's just got to be played delicately it's got to be played in a way that if if it's ever called at, it's like what? No, what? Not me? I gave your your boyfriend a tattoo. I literally am a tattoo artist. Well, look for at all my the shop. Look at all the tattoos on me. Yeah, chill I, out. Jeez. Uh, Jesus Christ, lady! Like what weird, horrible self esteem 
fucking issues are you dealing with? Look at this guy over here. I gave him a tattoo as well. Yeah, that's Chad. I gave him one. Steve's over here. Tattoo. tattoo. Like, all of these guys here have been tattooed by me. So, relax, lady. I've tattooed Sanskrit words on every single member of the quad rugby team, so chill out. On their cock. They yeah. couldn't feel it. That's why they like them on their dicks, because so, they can't feel their dicks. When you So, when you're running the wedge, do you always have to be cognizant of, like, any any moves that you make have to be, it's de- always have got... to be defended in some kind of a context of, whoa, I'm not moving in. Yeah, I'm like... Dude, this is on you, guy. Whoa, the <laughs> accusations, this is clearly a you problem that you're having. I'm like this with everyone. I'm friendly with everyone. So yes, I gave I gave him a tattoo just like I did ten other guys, and I hang out and laugh with him just like I do ten other guys. What the fuck is your damage? And so it's got to be delicately played like that to where you can always turn it. Still fucked up though. Mm-hmm. Still fucked up because if you're getting wedged on by someone like that, you really hate that person who's clearly wedging big time. Yeah. So with that. Um, I can see both sides of it, Susie the Tattoo Girl, but overall, fuck you. We hate you. And Be Free and Explore, though. Brought to you by Wickoware. Okay? Okay. Real interesting conversation, though, we do need to have about Susie the Tattoo Girl. I'm open to it. Is she hot or is she not? It's hard to tell. Yeah. And so I, I don't know where you're at on this, but I brought up I think she would be beautiful, save for her eyebrows. Yeah. She's got like the weird thin eyebrows that I just... And they're very they're very far apart. Spaced out and yeah. like ultra thin. And I just, I think it's a bad look. I'll be honest. I didn't clock the eyebrows because they're last on my list. What, of... What's turned in it for you? That's why we got to have the conversation because I'm, I, I could really go either way. She seems like someone who, depending the right look that she's wearing... Mm-hmm. may or may be inclusive or not inclusive of the glasses that she has on I, and the outfit she's wearing. I'm not sure, but I feel like she could be if if she's getting all those things right, but she's not always getting all those things right. So then a lot of times I come down on she's not hot. For me, I mean, she could use a shower. That's true. She does that. look like she smells like shit. And she's got Teresa from the IOC's eyebrows. Oh, God. And she let those oh, things grow a little bit. I think she'd be very good looking. Bush them up. Bushy them up. Bushy them up. I feel like bushy eyebrows are coming back a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you look at some of the kids these days. I feel like bushy's coming back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> bushy's back. <laughs> bushy's, bushy's back with the kids, everyone. <laughs> um... Yeah, so I do feel like that's... Ha- a thin eyebrow, though, ladies, lady kids. Thin eyebrows are that thin, especially like you get into the pencil drawn on ones. I'm yeah, sure intern it's just, Whitney... It's stressful to look at. I bet intern Whitney would agree with us. Ladies are really clocking eyebrows, I think. Like, they're more sensitive to, like, bad eyebrow work, I believe. Yeah, we de- we would definitely need someone else's opinion to really get really get some good intel on this. This is just us BSing. Yeah. So, I will say, though, a little bit of a snaggletooth on her, and we both said, neither of the two podcasts are sitting here, mind a snaggletooth. Not one bit. A subtle one. <laughs> a subtle snaggletooth, that does not bother me in the slightest. It's actually kind of unique. Like a jewel scenario. 
Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that might be a little too much, but I see what you're saying. You don't like this, uh, the Snaggletooth on that Canadian songbird? Uh, that one gets a little aggressive for me because it's real bad. I'm talking the subtle, subtle okay. Snaggletooth. Okay. Hers are like aggressive Snaggletooth. But yeah, she is still a smoke show mm-hmm. outside of that. Like when her mouth is closed, fucking lock me up. But then she's not singing. No. So. She does have a beautiful voice. You know, that's, that's a given. Um, so Snaggletooth, though, real quick. I just want to go on another side tangent here about a story I had with a Snaggletooth girl once upon a time last year. Okay. Nothing sexual here. This is just a story with a Snaggletooth girl I ran into in Anaheim, California. Okay. And I believe I, I told you this story once, but it just reminded me when we were talking about Snaggletooths. I was at a work convention, an expo, Expo West, okay. Anaheim, California. Okay. Um, we were trying to sell this new upstart, young, budding brand that we were pushing out there in the snack bar category. <laughs> it's already folded. It's okay. already gone. Okay. That's how successful it ended up being. But at the time, we were at this expo. When we were at the expo in Anaheim, California, I saw a girl from across the way who was standing at her booth, a hat booth, from Portland, Oregon, and I noticed she had a snaggletooth. I took a closer look at her. I then realized that she is none other than porn star Kinsey Kenner. Wow. Are you aware of her? Uh, no, not by name. Well, I was. <laughs> I I don't doubt it. And it was driving me insane not going over and talking to her. It's not every day you meet a celebrity, dude. Like Kenzie Kenner. Right. right. And I'm all the way out in fucking California. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to... I'll be damned if I am 3,000 miles away from my homeland mm-hmm. and I see a fucking bona fide star on the levels of like Colin Farrell. Right. Kenzie Kenner. And not go up and talk to her and just say what's up. And so you did? So I She's battled. selling hats. She's selling hats. I'm hawking snack bars. Yeah. And that's a conversation right there. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there for, for the first whole day, for eight hours on the first day, she's standing there and I'm like battling in myself and I'm telling my coworkers like, do you know who this is? <laughs> <laughs> they were mortified and disgusted. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that I knew and were dumbfounded that I was having this argument in my head and with them for an entire eight hours on the first day of should I or should I not go have a conversation with this girl to me but by the way real quick to me this would be like you recognizing like a bullpen pitcher from the Anaheim Angels right that and and for you to know that just means you're really into baseball (laughs) (laughs) so for for me the oh baseball is a huge passion of mine dude it's a big time passion of mine baseball it's not like you saw colin farrell and you're like oh i recognize him from the movie alexander total recall there's colin farrell (laughs) it would be like you being like oh does that guy play second base in the 95? Yeah, because For the girl, 95 Seattle Mariners? Because everybody knows in that moment, like, wow, that guy loves baseball. Right. Yeah, I do love baseball. I love baseball big time, kids. So I'm glad that you're such a fan of baseball. So anyways, yeah, big fan of baseball. I, I slept on it, and come day two, I was like, I gotta do it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to leave here and have regrets. Yeah. You know, I don't want to have them. No regrets. And so I went up to her. Did, when you, uh, th- that night, like before the second day, did you check online just to make sure it was her? Yes, I did. It, I did research because I was like looking up her Wikipedia and her IMDB. Like I, I was going through because you also at this expo, you had name tags on. Yeah. And so I was looking up for what this girl's real name was to see if it matched the non-stage name that she goes by, Kenzie Kenner, to see if it matched the name tag. And? And the last name did. The first name didn't. And I'm like, there's no way this can be a coincidence. There's no fucking chance that this girl with a snaggletooth who looks exactly like Kinsey Kenner has the exact same, like, it was a weird last name too. I, I, can't, I forget what it was, but it was, a, it was weird. It wasn't like Smith. So it was an uncommon enough last name. So, sorry kids, this is this will only go on for like 10 more hours and then we'll get back to Friday Night Lights. <laughs> I go over to her and I'm like, I gotta bring this up subtly. And I brought one of my work friends with me, this this little girl, Anne. And I'm like, Anne, just come over with me. If I go over as a dude, she's gonna be creeped out. But if I bring a girl with me, it's totally cool. Nice. And that it's non-threatening. Good thinking. <laughs> so Anne goes over. She just starts looking at the hats. And I start talking to this girl about her bullshit hat company. Who cares? About five minutes into the conversation, I go, so um, I got to add, you look familiar. Um, <laughs> are you, have you been in anything like a TV show or a movie? Have I seen you in something? I, I feel like your face look, looks familiar. <laughs> it's so hard to picture you doing this, but I fully believe it. Go on. She shot it down so fucking hard. She's like, oh, no, 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 no. People tell me that a lot. Like, I've gotten that a lot. Like, I think it might be, like, I'm, I'm the, the cover model for this hat, this bullshit hat company in Portland. So I've been, like, on the cover of our magazines and stuff. And so, you know, a lot of people say that. You've probably seen me on the cover of one of those. I'm like, no, no, that's not it. That's definitely not it. It's not the cover of your bullshit ad magazine that I recognize your face from, lady. She also had huge fake boobs. It would have been so rude to call her out. I, I didn't. I was like, oh, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, uh, that's just uh, your face looked familiar. So I got out of it. I got out of it fine. Yeah. But um, I think it was clear. She knew what I was referring to, and I came off really creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so what I need to know is, did you buy a hat? No. Why? But Anne did. She did? Why didn't you buy a she hat? She got so caught you up. You needed a hat for the memory. <laughs> she got so caught up in her undercover... Um, <laughs> that's what... Josh, <laughs> <laughs> just bought a hat. Um, but, you know, real fucked up move by this guy who, who came over as I was talking to her. And I, I can get out of those situations with... Just, I look a little creepy, but I can get out of there. No You're very harm. graceful. Yeah. You're very graceful. I get out of there. Ways. No harm, no foul. We all go our separate ways. Myself. It's fine. Guy comes up who I fucking work with. This guy, Craig, who is a douche. Ah. And he comes up, slaps me on the back as I'm talking to her. And he goes, is this guy creeping you out? And I'm like, guy, fucking Craig. what the fuck was that? Let me get out of this. I, I, We laughed about it. We had a conversation about hats. And if she is or is not in pornographic fucking films... And now we're just talking back about hats and I'm going to walk away. Like, there's no need for you to do this, hero. Fucking Craig. Fucking Craig, dude. He... Get bent, bitch. Like, douche move. Kids, don't do that. It's lame. Don't be a Craig. Okay, FNL. Let's get back to it. 
Oh, yeah, I forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, let's do a clip, dude. Let's pepper in Buddy. Yeah. Talking to Lila when she's asking him why he cheated. <laughs> Here it is. Why'd you do it? Didn't you think about it, Dad? Lila, your dad's a sinner. I'm a weak man. But it was one mistake. I swear, Lila, I will never, ever do anything to hurt this family again, honey. I swear. Honey, your dad's a sinner. <laughs> <laughs> I just love Buddy G, dude. He's such a dude. Like, he's such a bad guy, but how can you not love him after he just... He owns his shit. Yeah, dude. So, so do serial killers who admit to all of their killings. Yes. Uh, He's I the did Ted love, Bundy of Friday Night Lights. I did love his, his main plan, like his only plan, essentially, to win back his wife and get his family back is to make a photo album oh, of the God. family yeah. and just like deliver it to her. How'd that go? Horribly. She threw it back in his face and told her to get out of the house. But it did remind me of uh, a story of like, so you and Buddy are very much... Like, on the same wavelength. Like, you think he's a cool guy. He thinks he's a cool guy. Like, you yeah. have this connection. Uh, I did one time um, come over to your house in college unannounced. Oh, yeah. And just walked in. The door was not locked. Right. Um, I saw you sitting down on the carpet with your legs spread out. Yeah. Like, just kind of down by the couch. Right. And in between your legs was a scrapbook. Mm, yeah. And... Yeah. I pretty much caught you red-handed scrapbooking your trip to Europe, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. And it's a great I, trip. I've, ne- I've never <laughs> seen you more <laughs> flustered in your entire life. It was like I was caught doing the most wrong thing yeah. that a guy could ever uh, get caught like, what's doing. What's up, dude? Nothing? Just, just... Oh, I'm definitely not scrapbooking uh, in here. It's not what's happening. Just hanging out, dude. Dude, I was in scrapbooking. I was doing something cool. So you and Buddy share a, a kindred love of scrapbooking, which I find fascinating. It could all boil down to that. Our love of our mutual love of scrapbooking. It could all boil down to that. But look, I went to Europe. Mm-hmm. I was there. I studied abroad program. Yeah. I was there for four months. Yes. And this is before pictures were digitized. You know, I had all these fucking photos on a camera. And what, am I just going to not log those memories that I had for four months in foreign lands? I think Facebook had been around for like five years at this point. Yeah. I mean, they were on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> God about that. So yeah, that kind of shoots a hole in that. They were on Facebook. And, I mean, uh, memories, I also memories aren't real until they're glued on a construction paper. I'm with you. I get it. They don't count. And I will tell you this about scrapbooking is I put those skills to use for my dad's 60th birthday party present yes and this i will say was amazing scrapbook scrapbooked 30 years worth of us going to games together all the memories and that went over real well did you give it to him yeah did loved he love it. it loved it did he cry um no would have been better if he did a little tears yeah he probably cried inside it went over though went over real well nice real well yeah nice. he went through the whole thing yeah it was a, it was a great idea by me and and you know what so so yes, she walked in on me scrapbooking mm-hmm. uh, when we were in college, but thank God I I got the skill set down then because it was leading me to this moment right. as a great gift giver. Yeah. Um, okay. Should we talk about Tim putting the entire fucking show on his back? Please. 
Why don't you lay out what's happening with Tim? I, I did a lot of, I feel bad on all the story, <laughs> the long story I told. So you lay out Tim with, uh, with, uh, Bo at uh, school. Well, I think it starts out with, um, Bo's mom. What's her name in this? Bo's mom. Bo's mom. Yeah. Bo's mom asks Tim to pick Bo up from school because she's working late or something. Yeah. And, uh, gives him this, like, listen, please do not be late because he has trust issues. Just do this one thing for me. Just show up and pick him up. And you're like, oh, God, he's not going to come. This is going to be fucked up. Yeah. Anyways. Tim's probably just looking hot working on his fucking car. Yeah, totally slipped his mind, gets drunk. Anyways, Tim, granted, he's a little late, mm-hmm. does show up to pick Bo up. And there's four, like, bigger kids just pushing him around in a circle, like, bullying him. Classic bullying. Classic just bullying scene. And Tim just runs up on these kids and is just scary as shit. To He's got kids. the jean jacket <laughs> Got on. the jean jacket. Got the aviator shades on. and Sherpa-line like, jean jacket. He's like... He does it in a, in a cool way, too, where it's not like he doesn't... He comes in and obviously saves the day. He's like, what are you guys doing? They're like, oh, we're just playing. And instead of being like, you're being mean to my friend? He's just like, oh, four on one? Cool. Yeah, cool move, you little pussies. Yeah, you fucking pussies. Four on one? Real. Like, as if like it was just one on one that uh, Bo could have like defended himself. But he's like, oh, four on one? Yeah, real heroes. Real badass moves here, kids. And so he basically just scares all these kids away. Let's play the clip of what he says Please to these do. kids. You okay? Yeah, I think so. You just playing with them? Four on one, double the size of that playing with them? Yeah. It is, isn't it? Yeah. If I ever so much see you look at this kid the wrong way, I'm going to find you. I'm going to punch a hole in your chest and rip your heart out. Are we clear? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Get out of here. Fucking unreal. Grabs that when he's doing that, he grabs that kid's fucking shirt real hard. Not mm-hmm. too hard. Not like, oh shit, Tim's beating a kid's ass. But he just grabs it enough to show, like, hey, assertiveness. I mean, business, bitch. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. And I, yeah, you're right. It, it was an approach of, like, hey, first and foremost, you don't fuck with this kid because he is my friend. But the bigger point here, four on one pussies? Yeah. Lame. Lame. If the four of you want to bully and three of you just sit on the sidelines and sneer and laugh and stuff, and then one guy takes on Bo, one-on-one style. Totally cool. He couched it in such a good way. Like, you guys are fucking pussies. Get out of here. Yeah. And you gotta think on top of, like, these kids know who Tim Riggins is. He's basically the biggest celebrity in Dylan. Yeah. He is. He he is the Colin Farrell of Dylan at mm-hmm. the time. And, um, God, did... Should we get into the tension... Let, let's 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 just pepper in a little more sexual tension. We're not going to get to the crescendo of it at the end yet, but it's building with him and Bo's mom. Yeah. Fuck, it's building. Oh, like, yeah. It, the whole time, you're just like, he'll come over, eat dinner with them, because Bo loves Tim. Tim's like his hero. So Tim is like fighting coming over there, but Bo is just, he's insistent. He's like constantly, Mom, can Tim come over for dinner? Come on, Mom, come on. His precociousness is just on high alert. And uh, the mom will like begrudgingly be like, okay, fine, Bo, yes, Tim, the 15-year-old neighbor kid can come over and have dinner. Meatballs, meatballs and spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> and um, you're just, you're starting to feel it when like they're over there. And then, then Tim starts like doing some good deeds, good gestures, like cleaning out her gutters without her asking him to. Mm-hmm. Non-sexually, like her real rain gutters. And you're like, oh my god, it feels like it is about to be fucking 
on between these two. Uh Oh my God, it feels like it's going to be on. So let's just leave that there. (laughs) Leave it be. Build with me on that. Leave it be. Build with me. Just Um, know as we go on, there's a pressure cooker in the corner plugged into the wall and turned up on high. Oh my God. At one point, Bo says, like, hey, you want to come over and watch Back to the Future or whatever? And Tim's over there, which is insane. It's like, think about it. This kid's 15 and a half, 16, whatever he is, whatever Tim is. Unclear on his age still. He's over there with a a young eight-year-old, seven-year-old kid and his single mom, who's 37, sitting on a couch with them on a single, on a, uh, like a love seat couch, all of them. And Bo fell asleep on Tim, classic, falling asleep on your hero. And so did the mom. Yeah, she did. How weird is that to think about? It's odd. <laughs> like it's he's 16. <laughs> a 16-year-old going over to the neighbor and the mom falling asleep on him like that? But fuck, it's building. <laughs> You're right. It's a pressure cooker. That night, he goes for a kiss. Yes. He swung a little too hard, a little too soon. He did what all of us would have done if we were 16 in yeah. that situation. Like, oh, it's on. Clearly it's yeah. on. He goes for a kiss and gets uh, rejected. Mm-hmm. And uh, Which makes sense. Which, and I think in our minds, it only felt like it made it build even harder. Well, for sure. <laughs> yeah, the, the taboo started to just become so fucking palpable that it was like, oh my God, now I can taste this. <laughs> Um, I didn't have, let's let that sit for now, unless you have any other thoughts. No. Let's let that sit. I got a fun fact. Okay. I got real excited over this one. When Street goes to the bodega down the street, Mm -hmm. (laughs) or whatever that is, local store around the 7-Eleven around the corner, whatever, the guy who won't sell him alcohol, which by the way, not because he's paraplegic, but... Because he's no longer Star QB of the Dylan Peace. Exactly. He won't sell him alcohol. Tim actually happens to be there at the same time. Crazy coincidence. Will sell Tim alcohol because Tim's still a star running back of the Dylan Peace. That guy who's working behind the counter with the goatee. Who is it? Same guy who comes back later in the series. Remember when Tim has to... Tim's going through some shit with Billy... I, I forget if it's like season four or whatever. And he has to live with some guy who's selling fucking meth. Yeah. In trailers. Yeah. That's the guy. Oh, really? The meth Does he dealer. play the same character? No. Like he, he was plays... a meth dealer. Like he worked at the store, then became a meth dealer? Or is no. it the OC with the waiter thing? Yes. Ah. He just shaved his goatee and now he's selling meth. I remember that guy. Yeah. Same guy. It was wild. I was like, oh my God, no way. Fucking crazy shit. You were talking about, though, um, there's nothing better than a beer after a long day of work. Oh, yeah. So I think after they get those beers, Tim and Street walk out to the parking lot and uh, Smash and Saracen are in the car like, oh, shit, Street, like, come hang out with us. We're about to go do our thing. And this is your aforementioned scene that you were talking oh, about. Yeah we'll, yeah, we'll get into this. Um, but they... They essentially just go to the football field to drink beers, and it's clear that Saracen and Smash are still in their work uniforms, like just got off of work. Yeah. And there's no better beer than just still being in your work clothes from a manual labor job and nope. getting drunk. There's nothing better. 
And it even reminded me because they were wearing white pants. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's why it reminded and me. They're, like, like, they're wearing white pants that were all dirty from whatever their like, food dirty. Back in the day, that was us. We had a, a couple summers in college, manual labor jobs. A little blue collar action for the two guys sitting here. And uh, worked at Grater's Ice Cream in the factory, making ice cream. Just making dreams become realities. Mm-hmm. Had the greatest shift of all time. We already talked about the Rook. Michael H., he still listens. He was part of that crew with us, along mm-hmm. with Tom, aforementioned. Chris Fitz, aforementioned. All of us worked there. Dream job for, for summer in college. I think we started at, what, 2 p.m.? Yeah, it was like 2 or 3 p.m., $10 an hour, two, 3 to 9. Perfect hours for if you're in college because you don't wake up before noon. And then you can still go out. <laughs> Such a piece of shit for most of that summer. Like mm-hmm. waking up at like twelve thirty one, like oh fuck, I gotta go to work. We always have white pants on, covered in fucking ice cream goo. <laughs> but yeah, so that they uh, they go to the field, and I don't know. Do you want to get into the scene now? Yeah, because there's else? a clip from this scene I want to play. Um, so it's essentially the four four friends. One of all three of them are current Dylan P football stars. One used to be, and they're just palling around on the field having a good time we both said as we were watching it we were like this is the most realistic high school scene ever yeah this is so how it goes like i think you said it even on a previous podcast like so much of your time in high school is no real worries Mm -hmm. and you're just killing time yeah i think this was last week we were talking about all of you, yeah, all of your time is spent just killing the the extra time. The time. <laughs> Nothing in your life is that important. No. You don't have that much responsibility. It's why we probably have a podcast on, on the teens. Because we both, and why we live vicariously through them, is because it was the best time. There, there was no real worries. And yeah, it would be like, oh, Friday night, there's, there's nothing... Either you're going somewhere and, and hanging out like at a party or whatever, or there's just nothing to do. So it's just like, yeah, let's just get together on a whim with four or five of our friends and go drink on just at this weird random place and yeah. just drink here and just talk and hang out. And like, not if what is this, home. a random field? Okay, let's drink here. What's this, a parking lot? Okay, let's get drunk here. But I just love that scene because all the four of them all had their own separate problems. Oh, that's uh, a clip Saracen's worried about blowing it for the team. Um, Smash has uh, his uh, Waverly stuff that he's all stressed out about. Yeah. Tim hilariously is just like, let's play, just, let's play, oh, okay. let's play. Harrison's got a little something on his mind, fellas. Oh, you got troubles, Maddie? Come on, talk to the Smash. I'll help you out. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> Look, you want to see troubles? Look at me. Being crazy wavy. We comparing girl problems now? I just tried to make out with my next door neighbor who's at least in her mid 30s. Pretty much got. Put through the wall for that one, so I think I win. Yeah, it's hilarious. So the, Tim said that it was yeah. a mic drop. Hilarious. Clearly, uh, I still wish that, and they're doing it more and more. But I wish they just let Tim be as funny as he probably is in real life, because that shit's just hilarious. But I was thinking about this scene when we were talking about Street earlier in the episode, where like he had his old personality. That got burned to the ground. Yeah. Now he's like starting to try to figure out what his new personality is. Yeah. I feel like there's a through line that's always been there <clears throat> for him. And it's just, he's a leader of men. 
Like he in this scene, it's clear that even though he's like in a wheelchair and hasn't seen these kids in forever, they're like they look up to him super hard. Yeah. And like he's just awesome at giving advice, and they're like, "Oh shit, oh, what is it?" And he's just. But I think it does. I, I they really hammered home with that to that point of a lot of people that you were friends with in high school. When you see them, no matter how many years or how much time has passed or whatever has changed in your life, it kind of goes back to what it was and you fall back into the groove Mm -hmm. of your dynamic. And I I think if you want to get real deep with that scene, I think Pete Berg made that shine through. Like a world of difference has changed now between Street and these kids. Like he's now fucking trying to tour the world quad rugby style. He's dealing, he got engaged He's no longer got legs. He's no longer the star quarterback. And still in this moment, the dynamic remains the same. They come back and they're still talking about the old shit and, and interacting the old ways that they used to. Like complaining, bitching about their different shit or whatever. And you fall right back into it. And it's just awesome to see. Yeah. he lo- Street loves camaraderie. All, all these guys are like complaining about their problems to him. He's all ears and just giving advice and they're fully listening. And then he trumps them too with their bitching. Like, oh yeah, uh, Tim, you tried to hook up with uh, someone in their mid-30s? I have no legs, bitch. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, yeah, that's a good point. You want trade problems, bud? <laughs> uh, I'm going to piggyback on this while we're talking about Street. So in the, I think it's the beginning of this episode, we find out that he does not make the national quad rugby team. Right. The coach has said he's got like lots of potential, I guess, and promise. He's raw. He's, he's too still raw. raw. They say he's not comfortable in the chair yet. Yeah. He's got to come back in four years and try out. And I just thought that was awesome. Like the fact that he did not make the team. Yep. Uh, I mean, not awesome in the way that I wanted him to make the team. So it's no, kind of sad. I was kind of But I just glad. thought it was a cool move for the show because he's like, I think he tells, uh, by the way, we've been calling him. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. We found out we fucked that up. Who, who We've been calling him Herc. Yeah, it's Herc. It's Herc. He's talking to Herc. <laughs> Hank like, called that out last week. He's like, you guys know that his name is Herc, right? Yeah. And we're like, fuck. Because <laughs> we fast forward. We hate his storyline so much that, full disclosure, we have fast forwarded through so many of Herc's storylines <laughs> that we didn't even know his real name. <laughs> but, <laughs> so he's talking to Herc and he's like, I really needed this. Like, you don't know how yeah. how fucked up I am that I didn't make this team. Like, I, I really needed this. Again, all my eggs were in this I basket. I put every single egg in this basket, and it just got smashed. And Herc's just like, yeah, dude, it's not, ther- it's not, the team's not your therapy. Like, it's not there to, like, make you feel good. Like, it's a, it's a team, and you just weren't good enough to make it. Yeah. So, it's not like a charity case. No, like, Herc has... We're can- trying to put together the best team to win the world championships of quad rugby. Right. So, like, I get it that you were going to feel good if you made the team, but, like, we're not just going to let you on to make you feel good. you got to earn it. Yeah, no. Actually, the thing about Herc is he act- he has a lot of good advice, and he's he's a very wise guy, and he is, as we've said, he's a good wheelchair mentor mm-hmm. to street. So we probably shouldn't have fast-forwarded through all the stories. Yeah. Because <laughs> in, in that scene, it was a good scene... I, I was thinking, God, like, Herc is just a, a dick. He's just being an asshole. Because yeah. clearly Street is just all fucked up about not making the team. And he's, like, making fun of them. Like, listen, dude, we're trying to party. And he's like, I really needed that. And he's like, and then he gets serious. And you're like, oh, yeah. 
He's like, listen, I know you did, but it's not like a charity case. No, they, they, um, whenever it's time to hit for him to give some like tough love or like, Hey, Hey man, he does. He, he lays it out reality and he kind of keeps street in check. Street's a dreamer. I think he's always got, he's always got dreams and he's, he's always all eggs in one basket kind of guy. <clears throat> and, and Herc just keeps them back in, into reality. Like, look, here's how it really is guy. Like this is how real life works. Um, there was though, as we're on street, when they're at that field, we got to play the clip of one of the greatest clips. We've talked about it before, which is him talking about the hardest pass in football. Hardest pass. The 18 yard out. Yeah. So I'm a, the, just a great scene here where there's this great music playing in the background. Inspirational music playing in the background. And Street's talking about this pass that if Saracen can like complete it, he'll become a legend kind of thing. So here's the clip. 18 yard deep out, okay? I, I can't hit that. <laughs> he can't. Half the players in college can't even hit that route. Well, you can't hit it. It's just an automatic six for the Sorry, other team. Coach doesn't even have it. Look at playbook. me and listen to me. When you're doing your drop, you look off the weak side safety. It means you keep your head left, okay? As soon as Riggins makes his break, you open your body up, you let the ball go. On the break, high and outside. Any corner in this league is going to break on that. Then he's got a sure interception. But he doesn't because you're putting the ball high and outside where only your man can get it. You hit the slants, you hit the posts, they'll respect you. You hit this pattern, they will fear you. Let me see you running. Get on the line. Uh. Stay on the tops of your toes. Set! Hey! That's right. That's right. Come off. Look him off. Here comes the break. Line outside. Line outside. Line outside. There it is. Did you see it? Yes, you did. I love that because... You wouldn't think about that. I'd never even thought about that uh, from a football. We're going to get into some football talk here. I would have never thought that was the hardest pass to make in football. But it is so true. The receiver has to run down 18 yards and then cut out towards the sideline. Yeah. So if you've got, like, it's a pretty long throw from A to B. Yeah. And you can't really lob it in. No. Or else there's going to be plenty of time for the defender to just figure out what's going on and intercept the ball while it's in the air. So you have to basically throw the ball on a straight line. You got to throw it on a fucking rope. A rope. But it's got to be a rope with arc. Uh-huh. Because if you're just throwing a, a straight line pass there, then un- then the linebacker's going to pick it off underneath. And if you lob it, like you said, then the safety or the corner's going to get it from, from you lobbing it. So you have to put it like Aaron Rodgers style on a fucking rope. Like with a little arc to get over the the linebacker and under right to your guy. It's basically a high risk pass. Yeah, it's very hard. And it, it was just a cool piece of clearly Pete Berg knowing a thing or two about football to just throw in there as like good advice. Like quarterback comes in, gives advice to the new quarterback, and it's not like, listen, what you got to do is go out there and just throw an eighty yard pass. Dude, yeah, <laughs> it was just this like subtle thing where like, oh, that's actually really fucking cool. Yeah, if you're like a real football fan, I feel like you're like, God damn, fuck, that that is gotta be the hardest throw in football and you wouldn't think about it being that. But also just a cool moment by Street and you do kind of feel like, man, it would have been cool if his legs wouldn't have been paralyzed. Yeah. 
because he was a real leader. (laughs) It just sucks that all of his storylines are now tied up in this lame-ass quad rugby bullshit, which no one cares about, where his storyline would have been cool if he was just crushing it as a starting QB. I would like to see an alternate reality universe of Friday Night Lights where Street does not get injured. Yeah. Okay. Last topic. Probably wouldn't have been as dramatic or good, but... No. Last two topics. First one. Lila. I should have, I could have potentially given a second MCITW this week Mm -hmm. to fucking Lila. Yeah. When at the end of episode 19, cha-cha-cha-cha-changing, whatever, Mm -hmm. she gets drunk. She's so pissed at her dad. She's still so mad. Her parents are breaking up. She gets drunk and she goes to his car dealership. She gets into the fucking cars and she just starts wrecking all of his cars in his parking lot. And then drives one of the cars into the fucking structure, like the the dealership, the the glass walls and and front doors, and smashes the front of his car dealership. And it was just like, God, Lila, fuck, you stop sucking so much ass. Yeah. Like, what is that? What like? How is that the answer, bitch? I, I I don't know. I, I don't know what the level of mad is that you crash like four or five cars and ruin your dad's business. Yeah, I know. I can't really relate. So maybe I'm, I'm speaking out of line here. But she always does these things where it's like, Lila, like, can you just not react that way, please? Like, yes, <laughs> I can't empathize and put myself in your shoes. But I feel like I just, the only thing I can say is do less, lady. Yeah, I she didn't really handle adversity that well. No. She's just like Marissa Cooper. She is. They handle. Yes, they are dealing with some fucked up shit. <laughs> like, I it's don't almost like them, they, but... they, their whole life before the show starts, zero speed bumps at all. Exactly. And then they get a couple, like, actually pretty decent sized speed bumps and they just fucking wig out. Yeah, it, it, it's a good point. It's like, oh, so you've had no problems your whole life because the only way that you're reacting this poorly to every little thing that happens and big thing is you wig out this fucking hard. It, it, it just shows me that you've had no problems, literally none, your whole fucking life if you're acting this way. She fucking sucks, dude. <sighs> All right. Let's end it with a little wicked game. Mm, cue it. So it wouldn't be right to not end this podcast with us diving back into the love of my life, Brooke Langton, the cheerleader from The Fucking Replacements. And bring that taboo back to a head. Because after Tim got rejected for that kiss, he comes home the next day and she's just sitting out on her front porch begging for it. It's clear she's let it stew for 24 hours and she's like, oh, like hell, I'm gonna let this fucking hot piece of 15 year old ass try and hook up with me and not take his dick? No chance. So he comes home. This song's not playing, but it fucking is playing in our heads. And he comes home, and she's just sitting out there. He goes over, and he just sits down, kind of like dejected. Kind of just like, shit. (laughs) Fuck. 
That was weird. Yeah, I tried to kiss you, fuck. And he's like, he's now playing like, that's my bad. Like, fuck. I shouldn't have. You're, you have a son, you know, I, I'm sick. I shouldn't have done that. That was so stupid of me. And he puts his tail between his legs and he's like, I can't be doing that. That's, I apologize. My bad. In the conversation, she lets it slip. He's like, where's Bo? Where's Bo at? And she's like, oh, he's at a friend's house. And we were both thinking, oh, whoops, whoopsie daisy, it's fucking on now. (laughs) Kid strategically at a friend's house? I think he was at piano lesson, but still. Okay, either way, he's not fucking there to (laughs) cock block his mom and this 16-year-old. See ya, Bo. See your cock blocking ways out the door, bitch. So Tim Tim gets up, he's like, anyways, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. He gets, he starts walking away. She grabs his fucking hand, Mm -hmm. grabs his finger. In like slow motion, dude. Grabs his fucking finger as he's about to walk away. Camera zooms in on her hand, stopping him. And then we're both like, fuck. Oh my God. It's just like, it's fuck. Oh god, it's so fucking on. These moments, dude, the first hookup moment like this, especially when it's drenched in taboo like that. That's why I gotta have a podcast, dude. I can't contain it. Especially when it's the love of my life, Brooke Langton, from The Replacements, with fucking Shane Falco's backup quarterback's son. Wow. Wow. I don't know if you have <laughs> Needless to say, they completely hook up. Oh my god, do they hook up. They hook up. They hook up. Big time. Oh. I will say, it definitely, uh, if this was a 37-year-old man and a 16-year-old girl... Yeah, thought of a little differently. A little creepy. Right. Very creepy. But this one totally plays. It also plays because uh, Taylor Kitsch is like 25. Yeah. <laughs> so just, I'm not really thinking of a 16-year-old hooking up with a 37-year-old. I'm thinking of just hot-ass Taylor Kitsch who's 25 hooking up with right. a 37-year-old right. smoke show. By the way, it goes without saying, Tim Riggins gets my MVP this week. That was going to be my next question. He gets it? Yeah. And he any teen it. drama, in order to have a teen drama series, you have to have a, a MILF hookup situation. Yeah. And the fact that he is the one that took the reins and said, I'm hooking up with the MILF. Mm. Mm. He gets it. He's the MVP. Yeah, because... Doing the fact that he that he totally defended Bo and saved him from the bullies, that was great. But it's really just that he stepped up and filled the role of, obviously, there's a smoking hot MILF in the show. Yeah. I'm going to hook up with her. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you think of any, that's that's a staple in teen dramas. You think of any show, Tim and Friday Night Lights hooking up with the neighbor. In fucking Riverdale, the kid, Archie, hooking up with the teacher. Mm-hmm. In the OC, Ryan Atwood hooking up with his fucking step-grandma, Caleb's girlfriend. Gotta have it. There's also some shit later in Friday Night Lights with Julie having a little run-in with the fucking male teacher. A little problematic, but still. Yes. Um, that is where we get into some issues with like, that's now getting into statutory rape because it's like you said, girl to guy. There's also one in, um, One Tree Hill. There's someone hooking up in the, um, 
the show that we've mentioned once on this podcast, one season, Life as We Know It, the fucking kid hooking up with the teacher. You gotta have a MILF scenario. It's either a neighbor MILF or a teacher MILF. Gotta do it. Oh, boy. It's good. That's good stuff. Let's bring back Wicked Game. So as this is playing, and as we end this episode with just the taboo fucking overdrive, kids, you fucking tuck in. You sleep tight. You get real tight in there, kids. And, Pat, clear eyes, full hearts, do less. Do it. You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. You know you found us when you see a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there, just not pictured. Steven and Elsie, both there, just not pictured.